0: the truth news network when
1: nostalgia is memories of restaurants concerts walks on the mall when the good old days include being able to sneeze at home depot when breathing free is a crime against humanity you need a real leader one who's focused on the truth
0: and his name is dan newman
1: I may not hit it on the head just right every time I hit the hammer on the nail, but folks, I'm trying. I'm out there digging. That's what we do here at Truth News Network, and that's why most of you are here, because you're desperate to get the truth. We're not getting a lot of that of late. I mean, come on now. Who who says that all the time? Come on, man. Anyway, I hope. Now that you're at the middle of this week, you can see the weekend, a time where you can get away for just a few hours, maybe from the everyday things of life. Here's some encouragement for you today. You know, we all have bad things that happen. And most of the time when something doesn't quite go our way, we start examining and being critical of ourselves. What did I do to deserve this? I mean, I can't think of anything. It all boils back down to one thing, folks. Always look and analyze any of the issues that you go through and find the causes. But don't beat yourself up all the time. A lot of things that happen to you, you have no control over. One of the best sermons I've ever heard preached in my life is about the providence of God. Now, that's a big term, and it's way up there in title, and it covers God and all that kind of stuff. I know But it hits home really, really well when you look down in the details. And basically, that sermon I heard, it boils down to this one fundamental premise. And I heard this sermon 20 years ago. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. I'll say it again. Sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes you really don't have control. There are so many moving parts in our lives I mean, look at the people that are in your circle of influence. Obviously, that would be your immediate family members, then your extended family members, and then think about your circle of friends. And think about in their lives, their friends, some of which you interfaced with. So your circle is part of their circle. What about where you work and the people you work with and the circles of influence that they have, some of who overlap into yours? When you push it out as far as you possibly can, you can't be holding yourself responsible for everything bad that happens in your life. Yes, Dan, I know you're, you're saying this when you're hearing me speak. You're saying, well, you know, sometimes I am responsible. That should be where we start at our personal responsibility, our personal obligations, our personal liabilities, and our personal choices from which we often find ourselves in really bad situations. But if you can objectively look at those, look at what happens, and analyze it objectively, which is hard to do because of emotions. But if you're going to work, get through things, folks, you've got to be able to do this first objectively look at what happened why did it happen find the sources and then as best as you possibly can deal with the sources if they're in your purview to deal with sometimes they're not sometimes we don't have control over what others do or don't do what others say or what they don't say and we think they should say and they should do it or they shouldn't do it and they shouldn't say it you get me we can't control every moving part in our lives. And we're not supposed to. We don't have authority to do that. We were created to be equal, and we are. Our government, our Declaration of Independence declared that all men and women are created equal and that we all, under the law of the United States, we are all getting the same justice system. It hasn't always been perfect. And it's not perfect today. It's far from it as a matter of fact. But it's a structural beginning. It's a skeleton. And as far as the United States goes, it's the skeleton of the greatest nation in world history. Being a human. Being a human is the greatest part of creation including all animals and plant life. So those two go hand in hand. Don't beat yourself up over things that you have no direct control of and folks, find your way to work, work through all of those dilemmas and sometimes you can do it internally, sometimes you can't even if you can't you need to find people that you can turn to, that you trust, part of your circle of influence, maybe friends, it may be fellow family members, whoever it is find them and just talk to them getting things off your chest when they're going bad. That helps so much just to be able to express your emotions and your feelings with an open mind to get some outside influence. There are a lot of people that know a lot more about a lot of things than I do. And the older I get, the more I understand that. So here we are at the middle of July 4th, the last big holiday before Labor Day when the fall begins. July 4th is behind us, but the weekend is ahead of us. Enjoy every day. Live life to its fullest. Do the things. Always do something that you really want to do. Now, I'm not talking about illegal acts or hurting other people. I'm not talking about that. But step out. It's easy for me to say that. And a lot of people say, just what I said. Ah, Dan, it's easy for you to say that. Well, it's easy to say it. It's it's not quite as easy to do it, right? But you when you get to the end of your life, you don't want to look back and say, man, my life is full of stuff that I should have done and I thought I would do it, but I just didn't have the guts to do it. To some, that's starting a book. To some, it's taking a trip. To some, it's going back and getting that degree. Everybody's got a different one, but none is less or more important than any of the others. Be all that you can be. <laughs> That's a, a tired, worn military challenge, but it's absolutely true. And you're never going to get anything accomplished unless you begin. You got to start somewhere. So let's just launch from there into trying to understand all of the chaos in our lives and our political blogosphere. <laughs> and I mean, it is everywhere. Chaos is front and center. And the thing that is dominating. It's actually stealing all the oxygen out of the news cycle. The last 24 hours has been critical race theory. OMG. And folks, the battle lines are drawn. Teachers that have been teaching critical race theory, they didn't just decide one day to wake up and do it. It's been being planned, taught, and implemented among our educators for years now. And so those who have bought into that that we're not a free nation, that racism is everywhere, and teaching a theory that if your basic skin cover happens to be white, you're automatically racist. You're part of systemic racism. And there are a lot of premises that must be believed before anybody can truthfully say that. And just because you think something's right doesn't make it right. But just because you think something's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong. So we're not going to wade into the nuts and bolts of, critical race theory today, what we are going to do is talk about the furor that it is spreading across our nation. The nation's largest teachers union has reportedly deleted parts of its website content outlining its plans for pushing this critical race theory in our schools, and they're doing that days after approving plans at their annual meeting to promote the deeply divisive doctrine nationally. And critical race theory being taught in public schools, it is under siege now. Why is that? Parents' eyes have been opened. And they're looking at what these school teachers are teaching their children, and they don't like it. They don't like it. They don't want it taught there. And so many of them, you've seen and heard these school board meetings where these parents come in, and they're just attacking Those school board members sitting up there that are supposed to be working for them and teaching kids the curricula that these parents have signed off on. But that's not the case. Jessica Anderson, who's an executive director of Heritage Action, which is the current conservative grassroots organization regarding education, tweeted a screen grab yesterday of the National Education Association's website showing the removal of pages that detailed there the union's campaign to push critical race theory. Anderson, an American author and critic James Lindsay, tweeted archived links from the union's site. The alleged scrubbing came three days after the conclusion of the NEA's annual meeting over the holiday weekend. In a page titled, New Business Item A. <laughs> that's interesting. No name there, just item A for its annual meeting. NEA proposed an increase to their budget by $675,252 for the purpose of establishing a task force that identifies the criteria for safe, just, and equitable schools. Not equal schools as is guaranteed in our founding documents. Equitable schools including exploring the role of law enforcement in education. This task force, they're calling it that, would advocate for just funding formulas that remedy pervasive resources, disparities based upon race, income, geographic wealth patterns like, you know, pointing at suburbs where the wealthy people live, pointing at the inner city where the uh, low-income people live, and also to advocate for no-cost higher education which you and I both know there is no such thing as no cost of anything. Everything comes at a price. If it's going to happen, if you're going to get it, somebody's got to pay the price. In this case, what this union is calling for is for government-subsidized, 100% higher education. It would train school personnel. That means teachers and administrators in, quote, cultural responsiveness, implicit bias, anti-racism, trauma-informed practices, restorative justice practices, and other racial justice trainings. Now, the second page that was removed, it outlined new business item number 39, no name again. And what it does is ask for an additional $127,000 in funding to share and publicize, again, a quote, information already available in critical race theory and to create a study that critiques empire, white supremacy, anti-blackness anti-indigenia indigenous indigenia you know what I'm talking about Native Americans racism, patriarchy I can't even say this one it's CIS cis cis-heteropatriarchy Capitalism, ableism, anthropocentrism, anthropocentrism. And folks, I'm pretty vocabulary proficient, but in this case, they're making names of things and social ideas and statuses up I've never seen before. And other forms of power, they say, and oppression at the intersections of our society. That page that was deleted. Also declared the NEA would oppose attempts to ban critical race theory and or the 1619 project, which is a a false out from somewhere project that was put together by a New York Times writer in which they totally tore apart American history and rewrote it based totally on one thing, skin color. All of this would also educate teachers and administrators on the tools that they supposedly need to defend honesty in education, including but not limited to tools like critical race theory. So far, nobody in the union will step forward and confirm or deny that the pages have been deleted, nor have they responded to any of the tweets that we gave you quotes of just a few moments ago. Make no mistake about this. This critical race theory thing could be the downfall of the greatest society in world history. Whenever we depart from our founding principles, flawed as they were, but they are principles that we almost all, but not all, and we'll never have 100% of anybody buy into all of these things. It's not going to happen. But you know what? That's one of the things about the United States that makes us the greatest country on earth. No matter what your ideas are, you have every right to share them, and you should not fear sharing your ideas, your thoughts, sharing your ambitions, and you're guaranteed to have the ability to pursue your happiness. Not, you're not guaranteed to get your happiness or find it. The government's not in uh, the business of doing that legally. But the government is saying, we're never going to step in and tell you what to think and what to believe and punish you if you don't think what we tell you and what we tell you not to. This thing is being weaponized to divide us. And they're using it to divide us based on skin color and then down there, the isms and the phobias and drawing lines right down the middle between them and us and even passing out weapons to use to attack those who are different. Is that the nation that you grew up in? Is that the nation that our parents, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, our great-great-great-grandparents, and listen to what I'm about to say, you may not want to hear it, but it's a fact. African-American people, Hispanic people, Asian people, Muslim people, Arab people, everybody has the same rights as everyone else in the United States of America. Now, what you do with those rights, that's not a government thing. That's your responsibility. In King County, Washington, a pretty good-sized group of activist teachers revealed how they inject race and equity lessons into their elementary classrooms. You know the difference between equity and equality. Equality is what's guaranteed in the Constitution. Equity is not. What is the difference? Inequality, folks, nobody hands you equality. It's endowed by our God, the creator, and it is one of those inalienable rights guaranteed to everybody in the Constitution. Equity, on the other hand, is subjective and the reason the critical race theory folks and a lot of other hard leftists are pushing that term to replace the term equality is equity is always manipulated that's part of what it does that's reason it exists is so that somebody somewhere can determine what's real what's fake what's right what's wrong what's fair what's not, what's not and put their thumb on the balance of equality and push it down and give a weighted a weighted advantage to those that they say not necessarily that are being treated unequally kent Kent Washington, a teacher, Joanne Barber, took advantage of violent Black Lives Matter protests last year to teach more about race in her second grade class. That's an admirable thing. I mean, kids see this playing out on the television at night when they're watching with their parents. They don't understand that. And second grade, that's a good place to begin teaching the differences between people and how we should respect other people teacher said this. I'm willing to be that teacher that has those hard conversations. I'd be doing a huge disservice to my students if I didn't give them information that they could see themselves in. She told the outlet she was speaking to that racial history is just as important as reading or math. She teaches seven and eight-year-old kids, and she's teaching them that slavery, her words now, led to institutional racism and implicit bias. She also weaves race and equity into every subject. And every day in her class, it's filled with race education. Patricia Shelton, a curriculum developer in the Bellevue, Washington, school district, said this, in Bellevue, we've been working very hard in grades 5, 8, and 11 to decenter the traditional white perspective and to center the voices of people of color. There were so many instances of students feeling further oppressed by being in a classroom space where these books were being read aloud. These have continued the racial trauma and racial stamina necessary for a negatively impacted student to endure when attending school. These activist teachers and then administrators doing the same thing. They've started meeting resistance from parents. And these parents argued that that equity word and the education of equity, not equality, is leftist indoctrination. And this is happening in Washington state, folks, which is probably, uh, if it's not the most liberal left-leaning state in the nation, it's in the top two or three. And these parents, they've had enough. Ground zero for that fight, that equity in education thing, has been Loudoun County, Virginia, which is a suburb of D.C. Angry parents attended a recent school board meeting. We actually had the video on our website page, truthnewsnet.org, and we had the audio here on TNN Live. Parents were at that school board meeting, and they wanted answers. And in the meeting, all the school board members would do is take off, literally, and ordered the police to remove those parents that were in the room. Loudoun County Schools continues to show an unabashed hostility to the First Amendment rights of students, parents, and teachers with whom they disagree. That is a quote from Ian Pryor, who is executive director of Fight for Schools. It's time, he said, for school boards across the nation to stop being held captive by activists and special interest, and give parents a seat at the table to help guide the education that they pay for their children to receive. And of course, the crowd's opinions in that meeting, they did nothing to sway those elected officials. We'll not back down from fighting for the rights of our students and continuing our focus on equity. Do you understand what's happening here? The two biggest unions in education are both driving for the goal line, whatever that means in the teaching of critical race theory. And here's an example. This school board said, we're not going to let parents tell us what to do. Listen, folks, there's only one cure for this, but there is a cure across the board. What is this nation fundamentally built on besides equality and justice for all? It's built on your unalienable right to pursue your dreams and your happiness, those around you that you have influence on, like your family members. Everybody can do that. You can do it together or whatever. Education is not a government right. It's not the government's responsibility. We should have never had a Department of Education at the federal level. It should have never been power-seeded to a group of bureaucrats in D.C. to control what our kids are being taught in the schools in our cities and our towns that we pay 100% to fund every part of it, including the Federal Department of Education. All that being said, there is a way to handle this and handle it justly and fairly. Tax money. At the federal level and at the state level, at the local level, tax money funds all public education. So that means every kid, every parent is paying taxes and a big chunk of it goes for education. So that's tax money. That's not government money, that's money of the people. So I did a little analysis about a year ago for my brother. And it's the cost per public school student in the state of Louisiana. And actually, we threw it in and added in the private school students, too, to get a, a fair number. But then I went to the uh, Louisiana State Department of Education website, and I looked at their budget. And I found and I, I don't remember the numbers. I can give you some approximate numbers. Our government is spending from our tax dollars in the state of Louisiana approximately $13,000 a year to teach our, our kids. $13,000 a year. That, all that money comes from tax dollars at the local, federal, and state level. And the state passes that money out in Louisiana to the, uh, the parish and the parish to the cities and towns and they put it out based on the population of students in those public schools. Novel idea. That's private money that's doing that. It doesn't become somebody else's money. No. They all swore an oath to manage that for us, every dime of all the tax dollars that we pay to the various authorities around the nation. But they don't own it. It's not their money. It's our money. So why don't we do this? Why don't we figure out exactly what public school cost? So if you if you're a parent, you got a kid going to private school, hey folks, you're paying for public school for your kid. But you don't want your kid to go there. You want your kid to go to a school where it's teaching what you think is best for your 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 children. That's what being a parent is all about, right? So just do this. Pass out to every the parent of every school-age student in each state. Take all this power away from the federal government. Just do it state by state. And if it costs $13,000 per student per year, all in for the Department of Education, you're going to still have some administrative cost at the state level. I get it. Let's come up with a number and you give each parent. If they've got three kids, they get three vouchers. And each of those vouchers is worth the amount that we're paying now minus the little bit that we would, we would leave in there. So instead of 13, let's say it's $10,000. I get a voucher. And I choose what school my kid goes to. Doesn't matter if it's parochial, private, public. Whichever one is the best that fits the picture for my kid, that's where I want my kid to go to school. That can happen overnight. It can. Now, will it be accepted? Oh my gosh, I can't imagine the fight that will come if and when that's done or attempted to be done. But nevertheless, folks, we have several... Huge bureaucratic conglomerates that are controlling everything our kids are getting taught from top to bottom in public school. And they're trying to, through this critical race theory thing and the horrors that are coming along with it, parents are finding out every day their kids are being shoved into their minds, all this garbage. And that the world evolves around race when it really doesn't. It's important. I'm not diminishing the racial problems. But that is not the beginning and the end of life. It's not. Most of us are not wealthy people. We're not going to have the same opportunities, nor should we have the same opportunities just because someone else does. I don't care what it is. But I have the right to create a scenario that I think is best for me and my family to pursue and hopefully achieve. Every American has that right. Every parent has that responsibility in educating our children. Novel idea. Just give me what I pay into the government to teach my kids in public school. Public schools will still make it. Well, how can that possibly be, Dan? Everybody's going to want to go to a private school. Well, first of all, everybody won't want to go. But let me ask you a question. If your kid right now is going to a great public school, you're not paying anything extra. It's just coming from your tax dollars. And in your opinion, that school's the best place for your kid to get an education. All of the circumstances rolled in, you keep your kid at that, that school. If you don't think your kid's best suited there, Take your voucher and go to another school that you think will. You know what will happen, folks? The American dream. It will happen. Guess what? The schools that are doing a good job in the minds of the parents, the best job, that's where all the kids and the parents are going to want to go. Free marketplace. Capitalism. Oh, no, that evil word. We want a scenario across the board in our lives where the government decides everything. We just send them all our money. Yeah, that's happening around the world in some places. It's called communism, totalitarianism, and some of the very conservative leftists in the United States call it socialism. It's all the same scenario. And that's what these teachers' unions want. And that's what the parents that have been indoctrinated with this philosophy want. I am so glad all three of my children went to public school, got great education in great schools. I'm glad they did. I went to public school. I loved the schools that I went to. I was a good student. I loved getting taught. I loved learning. But I don't expect that everybody else that I know in the world feels the exact same way or the, or did then, that I did, getting my education. That's not the way it's supposed to be. We're not supposed to have a handful or two handfuls or a few thousand people that are determining what every student in the United States is getting taught in school. That's not what the First Amendment guarantees that the government cannot and will not take from us as Americans the freedom to speak, the freedom to express ourselves and not have this crap crammed down the throats of the most innocent among us. I can't imagine a first, a second, a third, a fourth grade. I can't imagine any kid at any level sitting in a classroom and looking at their skin color after being taught for years The most important thing in your life is the color of your skin. Listen, it all boils down to this one thing. Critical race theory is the perfect example of pure, hardcore racism. And it's the evidence of a segment of our society taking the ability to say what and who is racist and who is not, taking that and weaponizing that, using as a tool, and now they have one that in large part has been accepted. It's just kind of granted. Okay, they're teaching critical race theory. We'll just go along with it. But the giant has awakened, and we're not accepting that anymore. Novel idea. Just, uh, Just thinking about and talking about that whole concept of school vouchers. So we've got two big school union that represent teachers, two big ones. And they're powerful folks, and they've got lots of money. Where did they get their money? They get them from teachers who pay union dues. So here's how it's happening across the border from our state in Texas. Listen to this report of what uh, Governor Greg Abbott's doing over there.
2: The American Federation of Teachers, one of the largest unions for educators, promises they will defend members from critical race theory battles. The group announced they will add two and a half million dollars to its legal defense fund to help pay for those cases. The teachers union says they will fight for teachers punished for teaching what they're calling honest history. Last month, Governor Greg Abbott signed into law a bill to ban teaching of critical race theory in public schools. Texas is one of six states to take similar action. Critical race theory is an academic term not usually taught below college level that looks at institutions and society shaped by racism. The new law now adds that slavery and racism can only be taught as a deviation from the nation's authentic founding principles of liberty and equality. Governor Abbott has also mentioned pushing for a stronger ban on critical race theory this special session, but it has not yet been officially added to the agenda.
1: Folks, it's just another weapon in the quiver of those on the left to use against Americans. But can you believe they're actually taking racism and using racism, in their words, to defeat racism? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard come out of an educator's mouth, but they're preaching it left and right and they're even coming out and telling you don't go now, these are I'm talking about school boards school boards determine the curriculum that are taught in the public schools they should that's what that's way it's supposed to operate and so these parents the ones that are paying the bills for all of this they're up in arms i mean across the nation demanding stop don't teach our kids this in school we don't want it and these bureaucrats in these unions have got their union members up in arms and talk about create division among us. You start messing with each other's kids, moms and dads, the gloves come off. I mean, it's a fight to the end. And the head of that American Federation of Teachers Union, the number two, NEA, National Education Association's number one, AFT. AFA, I think is number two. The leader said, hey, don't think for a second. If a teacher is reprimanded for teaching critical race theory, we're going to take it in the court. And we've got lots of money. And if it go, if it goes to the Supreme Court, we're going to do that. In other words, they've been fighting for years. They've been fighting for years about government controlling all our stuff because they don't speak for the people. They're supposed to, but they don't. They're saying that. And now they're saying the government speaks for everybody and has total control. And we're telling the government what to do and what not to do when it comes to public education curriculum. And we're going to teach critical race theory and we're going to cram it down the throats of all you kids. And don't you dare, school boards and counties and parishes and states, don't you dare think about sitting a teacher down for teaching critical race theory, or we're going to take it to court. You know what's sad about that? There are school administrators out there that are hearing this, and they're going to say, "Ah, man, I hate to do this, but we can't afford to get in that battle, so y'all just go ahead and keep teaching it. That's going to happen far more than you think. It's kind of like, You know, that's not my battle, it's not my fight, I may not agree with it, but we just don't have the capability of successfully defending ourselves against a national union. They have unlimited revenue, we don't. And you know what? President of that teacher's union, when she said that yesterday, it's been plastered all over national and international newscasts since then, you've heard her speak, you've heard her threaten. She knows that. And that just gave her and her union even more power.
3: The new Amazon Echo has everyone asking Alexa for help. Alexa, what time is it? What the hell is wrong with this blasted
1: thing? man.
3: But the latest technology isn't always easy to use for people of a certain age. These kids done bought me a
1: busted machine again.
3: That's why Amazon partnered with AARP to present the new Amazon Echo Silver, the only smart speaker device designed specifically to be used by the greatest generation. It's super loud and responds to any name even remotely close to Alexa, so they can find out the
4: weather. Allegra, what is the weather outside?
0: It is 74 degrees and sunny. Huh? It is 74 degrees and sunny. Where? Outside. What about it? The temperature outside is 74 degrees and sunny. I don't know about that.
3: <laughs> the latest in sports.
0: Clarissa, how many did old Satchel strike out last night? Satchel Page died in 1982. How many he get? Satchel Page is dead. He what now? Died. Who did? Satchel Page.
3: Uh, I don't know about that. Even local news and pop culture. Manita. What are them boys up to across the street?
0: They are just playing. They what now? They are just playing. You say they just playing now? Yes, they are just playing. I don't know about that. Pair it to
3: smart devices like your thermostat.
0: Alessandra, turn the heat up. The room is already 100 degrees. Are you trying to kill me, Alize?
3: The new Amazon Echo Silver plays all the music they loved when they were young.
0: Angela, play
4: black jazz playing uh,
3: jazz. (laughs) It also has a quick scan feature to help them find things.
0: Emilia, where did I put the phone? The phone is in your right hand,
3: and it has an uh huh feature for long rambling stories. So then I gave him five dollars, and he said I only gave him one dollar.
0: Uh huh. I said I know I gave you a five. Uh huh. Because I only had a five and a one on me. Uh huh. And this is the one dollar right here. Uh huh.
1: So I mean, you tell me who's crazy.
3: Amazon Echo Silver. Get yours today. I said get yours today. To order Amazon Echo Silver, send a check or money order to Amazon.com right now
0: need more cowbell better yet how about the ring of truth
4: TNN,
0: the truth news network and dan newman
1: hey that amazon echo ad that's like a, a stand-up comedy skit i like i like that i mean we've got alexa we've got siri uh, What happened to me the other day? I'm sitting at uh, our bar counter with my laptop up there and uh, I sneezed. And within a couple of seconds, both Siri and Alexa said, bless you. (laughs) They listen to everything in our lives, folks, and we've made them part of our lives. I really don't. I don't leave Siri on. And I certainly don't leave Alexa on. I don't want anybody listening to... uh, my private conversation, not because I'm going to say something wrong. It's just, it's nobody else's business. Every once in a while I say something about, you know, you, (laughs) I'm joking. Adam Schiff, representative Adam Schiff, California. He is probably the hungriest person that uh, I've ever seen in politics for more power. And he demands it. He hates people. Now, I don't know. I can't see his heart if he really hates him, but he spews venom when he talks. And boy, anything to do with the conservative cause, a conservative personally, especially if you're in politics, you're a target. And he's going to do anything and everything he can not to come and disagree with you and try to get you to think the way he thinks. He's going to attack you, he wants you gone. Well, he's a huge proponent for this Nancy Pelosi commission that she has appointed to look into the January 6th Capitol breach. Now, forget about the fact that the FBI has been in the middle of this in active investigations for, for I guess, month. what is it, February, March, April, May, June, July, six months now. And they hadn't just been sitting on their hands, folks, over 535 defendants. People have been charged In six months for various violations they participated in during this January 6th Capitol breach. That's 535, it includes 495 defendants who've already been charged with entering or remaining in a restricted federal building or grounds. Now, that's according to the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia. The way this works is the FBI does the investigation. And when they have all of the evidence together and they feel it's justifiable that it should be prosecuted, they hand it over to the U.S. Attorney's Office to file charges. That's happened 495 times. Nearly 235 defendants were charged with obstructing, influencing, or impeding an official proceeding or attempting to do so. At least 165 have been charged with assaulting, resisting, or impeding officers or employees, including 50 individuals who have been charged with using a deadly or dangerous weapon or causing serious bodily injury to an officer. Now, that's according to the Department of Justice. That's not the news media. So far, 10 people have pled guilty to a variety of federal charges, from misdemeanors to felony obstruction. President Biden said this, this was not dissent, it was disorder. He said it posed an existential crisis and a test of whether our democracy could survive, which is a sad reminder that there's nothing guaranteed about our democracy. Well, that's not quite true. Those who swear that oath of office to protect and and, and to serve, that's exactly what they're doing. (laughs) They're saying we are swearing an oath to protect our democracy. How do you protect democracy? By enforcing the rule of law, making sure that constitutional um, powers are honored, that people aren't disenfranchised, all of those kind of things. That's part of democracy. And he and all his minions, that's all they're supposed to do. So Nancy Pelosi steps up. Not good enough for her. Not good enough for her. When we get to the end of this, I'll tell you what Adam and Nancy's objective is. So her Democrat House of Representatives voted in favor of that panel. And they voted yes for it June 30th, despite Republicans saying it's not necessary because investigations are already underway in other committees of jurisdiction. Not to even mention... (laughs) <laughs> the fbi the fbi and the department of justice they're part of the biden administration yet they think the far left think this is all every bit of it every single thing has nothing to do with january 6th and what happened other than this when it happened they saw the american people rise and express their opinions and their disdain and disgust for the November 3rd elections. They can't let that stand. Their perspective on all this, all of the Democrat leaders in in Washington, without without exception, they're horrified to think that Americans are not going to let them just do whatever they want to do. And of course, they always have to have a villain And who's the villain in all this? Well, it's Donald Trump. He had to be responsible. He had to be making these speeches and these secret phone calls and get-togethers and stuff, creating this, this, oh my gosh, whatever you want to call it, an insurrection. That's what they call it. Creating it because he was mad and he got his feelings hurt because he got beat. So all of a sudden now, even after the FBI has gone out there and they've spent millions of your dollars, your taxpayer dollars, investigating, you know, and finding those things called evidence, that's what they've been doing. Forget about all that. Adam Schiff? Oh, oh, man, we can't let that stand. We can't trust anybody to do it to investigate, to find truths other than ourselves. And so we're going to make sure that Donald Trump and everybody else pays the price. Did you hear the perspective they say they're going to go with this commission? They're going to have members of the Capitol Police Force come in and testify, and to testify specifically about things that Republicans did many of which are in the Senate and the House of Representatives. This is going to be a partisan political fee. Asco. It has nothing to do with the rule of law. It has nothing to do with justice. It has to do with political payback. That is it in its entirety. If you want to object to that, give me a call, Eight six six three seven 37 truth 866-378-7884. I'd love to chat with you about it, but my fallback position is if the FBI that has all the resources in the world and the expertise and they find 535 people that have been charged for that Capitol breach on January 6th and that's not good enough, Congress says they can do a better job? When has Congress ever done Anything decent, even yet alone qualified and effective in law enforcement. That's not who they are. That's not what their backgrounds are. That's not what they're legally allowed to do. It can only be a partisan political charade. And in the middle of all of this, guess what else happens with the Capitol Police? Yesterday it was announced the Capitol Police now are going to expand their operations outside of Washington. They're going to open regional field offices. (laughs) Now, their sole job is to preserve and protect the Capitol, all the grounds and the people that are in the Capitol grounds in various parts of it. That's their sole job. What the heck are they going to need a field office for in California and Florida and other places? So here's the the reasoning that we were given Pittman. Chief Pittman, female, the new Capitol Police um, chief. Pittman said in a press release that was put out yesterday, six-month anniversary of the Capitol building breach, she referenced these 500 defendants that are facing charges. She also said... Her agency is going to continue to pivot her word toward an intelligence-based protective agency. Following recommendations in several post-January 6 breach reports, including ones from the GAO, the Government Accountability Office, the Senate Committee on Homeland Security, and the Capitol Security Review conducted by Lieutenant General Russell Honore's Task Force, 1-6, So what does this really mean, Dan? What does it really mean? It means Nancy Pelosi has created another political arm that she is weaponizing to use against anybody that she wants and other Democrats in leadership, if and when she goes away, that they want to use against their political folks. has nothing to do with protecting the U.S. Capitol. I mean, if she thinks that The Capitol Police were effective that day. Just look at the results. There was dismal failure after failure. They're hiding. Just imagine what they're hiding from us. The stuff that got out of the news, they were warned. The Capitol Police were warned days and days and days in advance, multiple times, by the likes of the FBI, that there were going to be attacks that day. And the Capitol Police deferred. They didn't do anything. It was a horrible representation of their capabilities, and yet now they're going to open field offices around the nation? Tell me where in federal law that's even allowed. Every day, folks, it just seems like it's one more crazy idea that is tossed out of Washington, D.C., out of this administration and they're just with impunity, they, they don't have authority to do much of this. They really don't, but they don't need authority. They, they grab it. They just turn around and grab it. And the reason their timing is so frantic is because they know their days are numbered in power. Three-fourths of the congressional aides from both parties, three-fourths of them, In a recent poll, they believe with no question that the Republican Party is going to flip the House and the Senate in 2022, next year in the midterm elections. Why do they feel that way? They're getting the pulse of the nation by watching this chaos, this far-left totalitarian push by Democrats in leadership in the House and the Senate. And they know, they're seeing, they're hearing American people will not stand for it. So who are they afraid of, the far left? They're afraid of not Donald Trump, although he is the villain they draw on their, their targets, but who they're afraid of, folks, are the people that he represented, the MAGA people around the nation that were sick and tired of big government getting bigger and ignoring everyday Americans. They had lived through decades of politicians standing up in campaigns and saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then when they get elected, they don't do any of the things they promised. Donald Trump, number one, he promised he was going to have a Department of Justice that enforced the rule of law. He promised he was going to put federal judges on benches that would govern on benches by the U.S. Constitution and federal laws. And when he did what he promised to do, he became one of the first in American history to do that. Do these politicians think that we Americans don't recognize this? That we don't see how they've sold our government and they have personally enriched themselves through decades of being able to do it and having the power to do it even though they weren't supposed to. Who controls what they can do and what they can't do? You know the answer. They do. They make all the laws. They pass all the regulations of what is allowed and what is not allowed. And the only input that we have is when we pull the lever or push the button or fill out a ballot, a handwritten or a mail-in ballot on election day. And it appears, every day it appears more and more like there was a bunch of that that went on that wasn't legitimate, that was irregular at best, fraudulent at worst. November 3rd last year. So let me ask you this. You know, Donald Trump's back on the road again. He was in Sarasota, Florida, one of my favorite cities in the world. Favorite city in Florida. My wife and I, we love Florida. We've got some great friends there. We love to go down there. It's a really nice place to go. If you're ever taking a vacation and you want a great beach, a beach area, you want fishing You want great hotels, great things to do, and good food. Sarasota's a spot to go, and they're not paying me anything for that. I'm just telling you the truth. But Donald Trump was there this past weekend. You probably may have heard it mentioned, but nothing like the coverage of the previous MAGA rallies, even before his re-election bid last year. Why do you think that is? Here's a report. From the MAGA rally in Sarasota this past weekend.
5: Thousands of people gathered at the Sarasota County Fairgrounds for 45 Fest. It's a make America great again rally for or rather where former president Donald Trump spoke. And Fox 13's Justin Matthews is in Sarasota where the rain did not keep people from turning out to see the former president. A Sarasota police officer told me 25,000 people were expected to attend this event. Organizers are calling it the 45 Fest Save America rally. Former President Donald Trump spoke for an hour and a half. He touched on like immigration, trans youth and sports, foreign policy and the 2020 election. He talked about successes in his administration and talked about what he thinks the Biden administration is failing at.
2: Free speech is under assault like never before. Religious liberty is being crushed. Nobody took care of religious liberty like we did. Dissenters are being persecuted. Our streets are being overtaken by vicious thugs and bloodthirsty criminals, Democrat cities. Our border is being erased before our very eyes. It was never stronger than the border that we created just a few months ago. Together, we will take back the House. We will take back the Senate, and we will take back America. We're not going to let this happen.
5: I also spoke with people who attended the rally who drove to Sarasota from all over Florida to see the former president. They said they were excited to see him in person and hear what he had to say. And in true Fourth of July form, the rally ended with a big fireworks display. Reporting in Sarasota, Justin Matthews, Fox 13 News.
1: Now why should anybody wonder about what was gonna happen at a Trump MAGA rally? What's the old adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it? They work pretty darn good. They worked before the 2016 election during that campaign. They worked in large part in the 2020 election campaign. Why do you think it works? Because people relate. People relate. Why do you think in the 2020 election race it was impossible to get any kind of crowded a Joe Biden campaign rally? I mean, the comparison was laughable, the parades, the rallies themselves. And then when COVID really took over and cramped it down, Trump started having the rallies at tarmac, at airports, and hangars. And still thousands of people came. And of course, the left went crazy. You remember, they preached, that's a, that's a COVID feeder People are going to get COVID because they're in close proximity to each other and everybody's going to die. None of that happened. Which brings up a point. What about that, Dr. Fauci? What about that? You preached. Crowds were just a seed fest for COVID-19. It never happened. Interesting. Just a side note. People are petrified. People on the left are petrified. That's why the left is going so hard after Donald Trump. They can't imagine, they don't want to imagine a world where Trump is back front and center and running the show again and stealing all their airtime in the news. If he comes back, folks, in 2024 in the campaign, then they're going to go nuts. They're going to go absolutely nuts. And so they can't let that happen. So we started this segment talking about Adam Schiff when he's pointing at everybody that's conservative and we were complicit if you're a conservative and you didn't come out and say anything negative about what happened on January 6th. I don't know a single conservative that thinks what happened should have happened the way it happened. But I also don't know many who feel like it was not seeded purposely with people that told others and planned in advance to go instigate and be a part of some really bad stuff to make Donald Trump look bad. How much of that happened, we may never know. It really doesn't matter. It's history now. And of course, it depends on how and who writes the history revelation of this January 6th stuff. But as it looks now, it's not going to be pretty because even though I don't think he had anything to do with instigating what happened, because he was very, very specific at the White House earlier in the day when he talked to him, we're going to go down to the Capitol peaceably and peacefully let them know how we feel. If they had any absolute proof that he had instigated anything, we'd know all about it. It would be everywhere. It'd be all over the news. There would be books written about it so far. And of course, he would be invited for inciting A riot that hadn't happened why because that's not what happened hey you want to go down south southern border news I know it'll come as a surprise to you but we got some and we've got some facts and some numbers it's gonna horrify you back after this
0: have you ever wanted to learn a new language like French Spanish or Russian but thought it would be too difficult and time-consuming then go to babble.com and try it for free Babbel works because it's built around real life. It teaches you everyday practical conversations that you will actually use. In 15 minutes a day, you'll be on your way to speaking a new language in just a few weeks. Babbel uses a modern conversation-based technique that makes language engaging, fun, and memorable. language for life celebrating 10 million subscriptions sold now try babel for free at babel.com just go to babel.com and start learning a new language today that's babel.com b-a-b-b-e-l.com
3: today on hey culligan softer equals
1: Hey, folks, some breaking news just released moments ago. Pennsylvania State Senator Doug Mastriano just announced a few minutes ago that a forensic investigation of the 2020 general election and the 2021 primary, hmm, that's coming up, they're going to do a forensic investigation of it. Here's what he tweeted out his release just a few moments ago. Quote, A forensic investigation of our election results and processes for the 2020 general election and the 2021 primary will go a long way to restore trust in our system. Voting is the fundamental right of all citizens. We should continually look for ways to improve the voting process to ensure every voice is heard. Today, as chair of the Intergovernmental Operations Committee, I issued letters to several counties requesting information and materials needed to conduct a forensics investigation of the 2020 general election and the 2021 primary. We've asked these counties to respond by July 31st with their plan to comply. The counties represent different geographical regions of the state and differing political makeups. Some are Republican while others are Democrat, which means that this will be a balanced investigation. His committee is a standing committee of the Pennsylvania State Senate with oversight and investigatory responsibilities regarding activities relating to or conducted between two or more governments or levels of government, including the administration of election across the Commonwealth. Apparently, this has been in the making for some time, and now they've decided to do it just as as a, a point of reference for you, he and his group spent a lot of time down in Maricopa County, Arizona, watching the way they were conducting their forensic audit. And uh, they had a lot of great things to say about it. We're still waiting for the preliminary results out of Maricopa County. But now it looks like Pennsylvania is going to launch the same kind of investigation. I think what, may, what we may see is all of those battleground states. What are they? Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia. Uh, Georgia was thrown in there because of what happened. Uh, Arizona, and Nevada. I think we're watching closely as several of these states are doing these audits. And if it doesn't do anything else, if, if we can get the facts out there to either verify the results were real and actual and represented the vote of the people in these battleground states, or the opposite was true, they can make changes because the makeup of the U.S. Constitution pertaining to the Congress in the presidency, are in the balance right now. And Americans, in large, more than half, far more than half, want us to know the facts to make sure that when we have elections, they do. The results always represent the will of the people and the way the people voted. And more than 50% of the United States don't think 2020 that that happened. So just before we head down south, 50 percent of registered voters today, according to one poll, 50 percent of registered voters believe President Joe Biden is incapable of reducing the 30 percent increase in 2021 homicides across the nation. Fifty percent, half the nation, say they're not confident in his ability to do that. Another 30 percent also sometimes feel unsafe in public as crime rages in American cities. Homicides, up 58% in Democrat-run Atlanta, 533% in Democrat-run Portland, and 37% in Democrat-run Philadelphia. Shootings, up 54% in Democrat-run New York, 51% in Democrat-run LA, and 18% in Democrat-run Chicago. This surge of crime comes while the president looks to highlight the pandemic. And he's doing that, i got to be honest with you, to steer clear of a negative polling outcome on surging crime and illegal immigration at his southern border. For instance, Biden spoke about the pandemic in his July 4th speech, and he's going to do so again next Tuesday, ignoring recent numbers from the Washington Post, which suggest only 38% of Americans approve of his handling of crime, 48% disapprove. The Post also revealed only 33% of Americans say they approve of how he is handling illegal immigration on the southern border. Among Democrats, only 63% approve of his handling. Democrats. And his drooping poll numbers in categories that impact every one of us, American workers' communities, perhaps show that the Democrat Party's rhetoric, their marching orders, their mantra on the defunding police across the nation is having an impact on the way voters look at them now. So we have a list that we compiled of the Democrats' rhetoric on defunding the police. Let me just give you a few of them. Biden said he supported reallocating police resources during his campaign. Kamala Harris said, I applaud applaud Eric Garcetti, who's the mayor of Los Angeles. She applauds him for defunding the Los Angeles police said we have to reimagine public safety. Biden's associate attorney general, Vanita Gupta, said officials must heed calls to decrease police budgets and the scope, role, and responsibility of police in our lives. Biden's secretary of labor, Marty Walsh, when he was Boston mayor, proposed a budget to divert funding away from law enforcement. The Assistant Attorney General, Kristen Clark, wrote an op-ed for Newsweek in 2020 supporting efforts to defund the police. Representative Val Demings, a Democrat of Illinois, called the Minneapolis City Council very thoughtful for voting to dismantle the police and Nancy Pelosi. And fellow Democrats refused to criticize the Minneapolis City Council for defunding their cops. Representative Maxine Waters told prosecutors, get more confrontational with police. Representative Ilhan Omar called for dismantling the Minneapolis Police Department. The list goes on and on and on. I mean, we have like 25 or 30 of those. This is a Democrat Party thing, yet they have the unmitigated gall to stand up on stage. Joe Biden did last week. His... um, Communications Secretary Jen Psaki in a press briefing said it was Republicans. Biden said it was the Republicans that promoted defunding the police. Biden did it himself. Of course, he probably doesn't remember that. So anyway, it's a law and order thing. Now let's let's do this. Let's just encapsulate the thought process. Law and order. Let's take it down south. Let's take it to the southern border. Agents in the Rio Grande Valley sector, that's the one that is, uh, you know where McAllen is, you know where Brownsville is, right at, you know, where Texas goes down and it's got like a little, it's not a boot like Louisiana, but it's almost like a a foot with a, a toe sticking out there, way down at the bottom of Texas. It's got a very long border there and the river's there, the Rio Grande Valley, but that's where the big bulk of the illegal immigration comes. agents there said they've arrested three criminal aliens last week after they crossed the border into Texas alien criminals now what does that mean well this adds to the more than 1400 criminals arrested since October 1st of last year these offenders we were told have committed despicable acts within our country they were deported once And the Biden administration invited him right back in, even after being deported previously. McAllen Station Border Patrol agents, they apprehended a 28-year-old male after he legally crossed on June 30th. During their processing of him, the agents identified him as a Honduran national and a registered sex offender. A court in Suffolk County, New York convicted him in 2012 for the rape of a child under the age of 15. ICE. They removed the man, sent him back to Honduras in 2013, following a guilty plea. Later that day, a couple of days ago, McAllen Station agents found another group of 21 migrants. During processing, they identified one of the men as a 42-year-old Mexican national. Court records from Polk County, Arkansas. Anything but a border state arkansas they show a conviction there for in february 2019 fourth degree sexual assault officers deported the man in mexico july of 2018 they encountered another group of migrant families later that day while processing that group they identified one of the guys as a honduran national and registered sex offender court records from wisconsin show a conviction for fourth-degree sexual battery back in 2012. The court sentenced him to 45 days in confinement, two years of probation, and he was deported in 2015. Now, what does this all mean, folks? You know exactly what it means. With the hundreds of thousands of illegals that the Biden administration is opening the door and letting come in, there have got to be thousands of such people And why would they be coming back? They know we have record of them. Listen, folks, there's a big sign that Joe Biden and his administration, Kamala Harris, while they were campaigning for president, vice president, and then after taking their respective oaths of office, they both hung signs up on a picture of the United States of America, and over the southern border, the sign says, open, come on in. They even now, folks, are not even making any attempt to hide it. So they brought in a... Uh, let me just say this. I'm gonna, I'm just going to cut right to the chase. Before I do that, I want to tell you about this other group. Another group was apprehended at the southern border. A group of mostly single adults. They're going to be processed, as they always are, and turned over to immigration and custom enforcements for detention. Troopers down there recently augmented by law enforcement authorities from out of state. They're deployed to the southern border as part of Governor Greg Abbott of Texas, his Operation Lone Star. He has sent a 1,000 highway patrol officers and Texas Army National Guardsmen down there to address and help out at this border crisis. This fiscal year, that's since October 1, the sector has experienced a 1,000% increase in migrant arrests. The traffic... Just imagine you live down there. You're a rancher down there. You live close to the border. Those people are scared to death about migrant releases and property damage caused by those looking to avoid apprehension. A big chunk of these migrants, this group from Nicaragua, had criminal records. Some of them here. Some of them in their home country. But yet, we're opening the door. We let them come in. Now, the the Biden people won't let the eyes of the media examine what they're doing and what they're not doing. They can't afford to do that. i got to be honest with you, folks. If you don't ever hear anything here that is important, if you think this is just us reporting the news, listen to this one thing that's going on. This administration is violating dozens of federal laws. They're suborning the violation of dozens of state laws of the states of California and Arizona, New Mexico, and Texas. Now, what does that mean? Every person serving in this administration, in every administration, it happened back in the Barack Obama administration when Joe Biden was vice president. Every person, every person, in these administrations that are either elected or appointed, they swear an oath to protect and defend the United States Constitution. What is the structure, the skeleton of the U.S. Constitution is the rule of law. They are all committing to do that and have committed to do that, and yet they are purposefully, dramatically, and loudly telling the people that work for them to not enforce the federal laws and the state laws that are being broken by allowing all these immigrants to come in. They're breaking the laws. There are tremendous penalties in federal law for anybody that assists illegals to come into the country. Jail time in every case. Joe Biden, Folks, if Donald Trump was doing this and the Democrats didn't want it to happen and he did what Joe Biden is doing, He did what Kamala Harris is doing. He did what Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are doing or any of these other Democrats, these people that work in Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Secretary of the Homeland Security. If he or any of his people had done that, they would have been behind bars, not kicked out, folks. They would be Incarcerated by now because they would have been brought to trial. Trump would have been, he would have been impeached and sent packing. Everything that is being done in this regard by this president and his administration, everything is far past impeachable. That's what. Legally, can and should happen. Of course it's not going to happen. Why? Impeachment begins in the House of Representatives. Who controls the House? And I'm not saying, folks, I'm not saying that Joe Biden should be impeached. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying the offenses are impeachable, and that needs to be addressed in some level. He needs to be confronted with it. His boss did the same thing. Barack Obama, in his first four years, He instructed Eric Holder, who was then as attorney general, to stop enforcing drug possession laws, federal drug possession laws, and they did that in the face of almost every one of the 50 states having laws in place that made possession either a misdemeanor or a felony. Now, what a conundrum. The president of the United States is purposely turning his back on the federal laws as is dictated in the constitution are supposed to be passed folks they're all passed by members of congress and every one of those members of congress swore an oath to protect and defend to enforce the laws that they passed and a president signs into law this is crazy they talk about this thing this january sixth thing being a hotbed evidence of people that want to destroy our democracy every democracy in world history that's been destroyed it comes from people like this government that turn their backs on the laws that regulate that democracy and we could sit here all day and talk about those the people folks are not the enemies of the constitution of the rule of law it's those in power those who have been given the power to do that and are shirking their responsibilities. And let me tell you how frantic they are to stop any kind of attempts by anybody to enforce the law. One Open Borders lobby, they are urging President Biden to stop these red states from sending law enforcement officers to the border to help Texas and Arizona officials grapple with the illegal immigration. It's not enough that they're not telling the president you got to stop this law breaking. They're saying he's got to stop these states from sending people down to the border to help the federal agents. League of United Latin America Citizens and the president of that group, Domingo Garcia, They're asking Biden to take executive action. You know, one of those things, again, counter the U.S. Constitution, counter the lawmaking process. They want Biden to prevent Texas, Arizona, Florida, Nebraska, Idaho, and South Dakota from sending law enforcement officers to the southern border. In June, Governor Abbott of Texas and Arizona Governor Doug Ducey asked states to help them with the wave of illegal immigrants pouring into their states as a result of Biden's catch-and-release plan. In response, a bunch of these red states sent and deployed law enforcement officers to the border in Texas and Arizona. Garcia, though, head of this lobbying firm, claims the deployments are only to score political points. No evidence, no facts. His interest, his letter that he sent, his and his organization's interest in law and order and protection of the lives of our citizens requires me to ask you to use executive authority to stop the governors of Texas, Arizona, Nebraska, Idaho, Florida, and South Dakota from deploying their resources to the Mexican border. Now, here's what he's saying. He's giving the, the basis for him begging Biden to do this. This is not a legitimate purpose for emergency or disaster assistance. That the Emergency Management Associate Compact authorized. In addition, in the case of South Dakota, there's no authorization for a private citizen to defray the cost of deployment of National Guard personnel. Which somebody stepped up the the, the plate, and uh, the governor, Governor Noem of South Carolina, took that money and did it because she didn't want this money to come out of the state budget. And Democrats in her state be blasting her for wasting money. This lobbyist head said this is tantamount to relegating our armed forces to a pay-for-hire status on any whim or desire that the donor citizen can afford to pursue. And a governor sees as an opportunity to score political points. And this is this one just blows my mind. He said this: this is an insult to our veterans. Who served and women and men who are now serving in our armed forces. This is not how America protects our citizens. It certainly is corrosive to our relationships with our allies around the world, especially our friends in Mexico. Folks, this guy is a sycophant. He has absolutely no reality, no thinking that can justify any of what he just claimed. None of it's true. None of it is meaningful, and it's exactly opposite of the truth. Yet there are Democrats today that have looked at this story around the nation, and they're applauding him for standing up against these um, these government leaders that are somehow just sick of what they're watching play out Maybe not directly in their own states, but indirectly in the states of their partners. You know, other American citizens that live and reside in these other states that are really struggling because our federal government not only refuses to enforce the law, they're now trying to stop states from enforcing the laws. Just think about if you're an American and you have a big ranch that you've invested millions of dollars in down at the southern border. And folks, all along the Texas southern border, that's what it is. And we're talking about a 1,000 miles of Texas southern border almost. Those people down there, and we've seen pictures, we've seen movie videos, we've seen horrible examples of these illegals coming across and destroying property, stealing, thieving, stealing livestock, slaughtering livestock, food to eat and whatnot, and even been personal crimes committed by some of these people coming across the border. And the government is not stopping that. They're breaking federal laws in Texas. They're breaking both federal laws and state laws by coming across, and this government says, we're not going to do it. We're just going to leave the door open. Somebody explain to me the justification for that. Please, let me know what you think. At Target, our first priority is the health of you, your families, and our team members. That's why we now require guests to wear a mask or face covering and continue to provide masks and gloves to protect our team members. Every day, we deep clean our stores and wipe down carts and baskets after every use. And you can always count on easy, contactless shopping options like drive-up and same-day delivery. We believe in always taking care and we'll always do that for you.
2: Learn more at target.com slash a bullseye view. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City, with the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G Ultra Wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1800 plus cities.
0: This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water, vitamin water. Regular water, vitamin water.
4: Hey, come on now.
0: <laughs> Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. Those in the know like to stay in the realm
3: of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select, as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply.
1: Oh, boy, that's a gentle sound, isn't it? Basha. Hey, listen, got a big news story that's breaking. But before we go there, this popped up. A source in Customs and Border Protection came out last night and said that the Texas Highway Patrol troopers responded to some suspicious activity near Normandy, Texas, and they found a migrant stash house. The house didn't have electricity, had no running water. The migrants were turned over to Border Patrol, were determined to be mostly Nicaraguan, and the immediate area got a lot of significant media attention after a group of unaccompanied migrant kids were abandoned on the banks of the river by smugglers. This group of migrants, once again, mostly single adults, they're going to be processed. The troopers recently augmented by law enforcement authorities from out of state, the story we just talked about. It's just growing and growing. The attention is growing, and the Biden administration is doing nothing to stop it. Absolutely nothing to stop it. This is just crazy. Even the unfinished border walls are because they're unfinished and big gaps in there, they're funneling these illegal migrants into South Texas neighborhoods. An example, in La Jolla, Texas, which is uh, it's kind of right in the middle of that southeast sector of the uh, southern border, a consistent stream of migrants have been surrendering to the Border Patrol. That's an everyday thing. The border wall project that is currently paused and a big gap along Military Road near the Rio Grande River funnels traffic right into the heart of the small Star County town, La Jolla. Migrants surrendering by the hundreds there. They keep Border Patrol agents busy providing humanitarian assistance instead of allowing them to go do what they were hired to do, to protect our southern border. Single adults run through the city streets to get away. An almost certain return to Mexico under an emergency CDC, COVID-19 authority. Residents there are frustrated by the influx of migrants, and it's at a 20-year high. That's just one place. And so you think about that big, tall wall. You can't get through it. I mean, you can't technically, but you can't have hundreds of people. They can go over it and get her, but i tell you what they can do. They can walk along it until they find one of these big gaps and bam, they're through. That's happening. Why oh why is Biden not only letting it happen, suborning it to continue to happen? Big news coming from the Trump folks today. Big announcement. Former President Trump is suing Facebook, Twitter, and Google but not just the companies. He's suing their respective CEOs. That's Mark Zuckerberg at Facebook, Jack Dorsey at Twitter, and Sundar Pichai at Google. Trump has a history of threatening legal action, but he doesn't always follow through, but uh, he's following through. It's going to be filed in federal court in Florida, and in the lawsuit, it alleges these tech giants have violated defendants' First Amendment rights. The action that he was considering was unveiled over a month ago after Facebook decided to keep that Trump ban in place until at least January of 2023. They want to let that midterm election to get by <laughs> before he's allowed back in. Twitter, which is Trump's preferred media outlet throughout his first term in office, permanently banned him on the hills of that January 6 invasion. Representatives for Twitter and Google, as you can imagine, they declined to comment. Facebook did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Liz Harrington, who is now a Trump spokeswoman, she was in his administration, she declined to comment ahead of the former president's speech, which is being given right now. But Trump is suing the big giants. And that, when we say that, A lot of people listening in are saying to themselves, you know, why? I thought we'd already done that. I thought the government had already done that. Heck no, folks. This government, this administration, any administration are going to be really slow to take antitrust action against these big social media giants. Why is that? Do you know the millions and millions of dollars these big companies pay in campaign contributions at every level around the nation? local, state, and federal. And many of these far-left Democrats are, they're obligated. Now, wait a minute. You can't give somebody a campaign contribution and get something in return. You're not supposed to. (laughs) But it happens every day. It happens every day. So this particular lawsuit that uh, Biden is filing, it's not just a little willy-nilly federal lawsuit, folks. It's a class action lawsuit. Trump's leading the charge, and everybody's going to have the right to sign on to it. If it's class action, if it's accepted to be uh, put on on a docket in federal court, what happens is when it's declared a class action, that means anybody that's affected is going to have a right to become a co litigant so be watching for that this may turn out to be kind of fun (laughs) to watch because everybody in America knows big tech they've just obliterated the first amendment over and over and over again and it's not just Trump, mine has been yours has been, if you say anything, if you post anything or if somebody else posts something on your wall or your Twitter page or on your YouTube feed. If somebody else does it, they're going to hold you liable. And they, if they don't agree with it, they being big tech and their minions, most of them are 20-year-olds that do nothing but surf the Internet anyway. They don't have a clue. They're doing politics is what they're doing. That is all they're doing. Now, speaking of political sycophants, This one just blows my mind. Starting this fall, coming up, this school year, Yale University is going to offer a course that compares prison systems here in the United States. They're going to compare ours to the Soviet Union, Nazi Germany, Communist China, throughout the 20th century. Going to look back and see who had the worst, who had the best. There's a professor of history at Yale named Timothy Snyder. He's joining forces with the professor of philosophy, Jason Stanley. They're doing this class, Mass Incarceration in the Soviet Union and the United States. That's the name of the course. Purportedly, it's going to investigate the role that mass incarceration played in both superpowers during the latter half of the last century. That would be from 1951 to 1999. As they announced this, Their release said this incarceration is central to the understanding, if not usually to the self understanding of a society. It is thus a crucial aperture into basic questions of values and practices. Basically, let me just tell you what this is. Well, let me finish this and I'll tell you. In a Twitter thread, Stanley, one of the guys, he stated that uh, the conceptual framework of the course is that sensationalist media coverages of crimes in the 90s, much like today, that contributed to a mass national panic. Invariably, drumroll, racial. (laughs) There you go. Everything's about skin color. He argued that the U.S. is perpetuating its decades-long trend of high incarceration rates, the majority of which is comprised of the nation's traditionally oppressed minority, the 38 million black Americans. Nothing is taught in university today. Absolutely nothing, folks, especially these, these Ivy League schools. Nothing is taught if it doesn't come with a political perspective or come from a political perspective. And these people, because just simply because I'm a f- professor at Yale. Uh, Maybe I'm a department head at Harvard or Brown University or one of the others, Columbia, any of the Ivy League schools. Just because you've got a title and you've got that job, you're endowed with the right and the ability to tell everybody. You know more about anything and everything than anybody else does. Why? I'm a professor. I'm a department head at Yale or Harvard or Brown or Princeton and on and on and on. And, of course, when they get that title, when they get that permission, they have an obligation. you got to find a villain, and you got to find a victim. And in this case, the easy go-to in both of those for the villain, it's got to be a connected white guy. And if the white guy's rich, he's even more a villain. And the victims are always people of color other ethnic groups. I mean, now we have the LGBTQI and it goes on and on and on there. Um, Of course, people of different color and ethnicities. Anybody that's different than the picture you would draw of an average American, which in itself is racism because there is no such thing as a picture of an average American. An average American is either an Asian, a Latino, a Caucasian, Uh, an Arab, and it doesn't matter what the skin color is or the ethnicity or the language they speak or their sexual preference. They're all average Americans, folks. This is the melting pot of the world. Anybody and everybody that wants to come here can do so if you do it legally, unless you're doing so during the Biden administration. And then, according to this president, just come on down. Well, guess who's popped up? He's out of jail now. Bill Cosby. All that he's apparently allegedly done. I got to tell you, folks, he's one of the funniest people that have ever been on television, a comic, and uh, the Bill Cosby show. Well, he's piped up yesterday. He's been in jail for a couple of years, so he's kind of been quiet. He's accusing the media folks. Bill Cosby is accusing the American media of being insurrectionist. I gotta love this. It's the latest headline-grabbing rant from Cosby. (laughs) I don't know that it's a a rant. He's just been out of prison for a week. The comments came in response to some backlash to his Cosby show co-star, Felicia Rashad. She faced after she revealed her belief and her relief that a terrible wrong is being righted with Cosby's release. Her jubilation set off a firestorm. Students and alumni at Howard University called for Rashad, who was the university's dean of College of Fine Arts, to be fired just because she supported her former, quote-unquote, television husband, Bill Cosby. Under pressure, of course, she was forced to post a follow-up message insisting that she quote, fully support survivors of sexual assault coming forward, adding this, my post was in no way intended to be insensitive to their truth. My heartfelt wish is for healing. But while the university, Howard University, they didn't appear to be taking any harsh action against her, Cosby has spoken out to urge the school to protect her freedom of speech. In a statement through his spokesman, Cosby said, quote, Howard University, you must support one's freedom of speech. And he was talking about Ms. Rashad, which is taught or supposed to be taught every day at the renowned law school, which resides on your campus. He then attacked the media for constantly fanning the flames of controversy. This mainstream media are the insurrectionists themselves who stormed the Capitol. Those same media insurrectionists are trying now to demolish the Constitution, and they're trying to do it on Independence Day. No technicality. It's a violation of one's rights, and we the people stand in support of Ms. Felicia Rashad. She also sent an open letter to the students and alumni and staff of Howard University defending herself. She said this, My remarks were in no way directed towards survivors of sexual assault. I vehemently oppose sexual violence. Find no excuse for this kind of behavior. And I know that Howard University has a zero-tolerance policy toward interpersonal violence. Isn't it crazy? You have two African-American seniors who have always been the epitome of the ability of anybody in the United States that wants to pay the price, whatever the price is, to get an education, to revise and refine their skills, to do whatever it is they want to do, and then they go out and do it. That's supposed to be the proof that this is a nation where everybody's treated the same, where it's equality and not equity, which is impacted by people's opinions. Equality is endowed by our creator. So Rashad and Cosby, both, minority members of America, both very successful in their chosen careers together. And instead of applauding the ability that there is a country where this can happen, it's encouraged and it happens to millions of people of color, millions. Nobody wants to talk about the success stories. They only wanna talk about the failed attempts of people to do it. And when many people in this generation When they fail at whatever it is they choose to do, their fallback always go to excuse, not reason, it is an excuse, is because of their skin color. I'm not saying there is not racism in America. There certainly is. But racism is not a political system, folks. It's an idea. It's an ideology that people consciously make part of their own thought process, they put it in their hearts they choose to do that it's horrible that there are people that do that, but those people that do that folks don't always have the white skin color there's plenty of racism to go around and it's not just between Caucasian and African Americans I know personally I know a bunch of African American people that don't like Latinos, why? because of their skin color There are a lot of black people that don't like white people. Why? Because of their skin color. That's just one part of it, but I'm expressing an explanation of how it happens. There's no exclusivity on anything wrong in the world. It's not exclusive to any nationality. It's not exclusive to any religion. It's not exclusive to any political party or political persuasion. Humans are going to have racial differences and respond to things that they think and see differently. That's what being a human is. There has never been a society since Earth began to be populated by people where there was not racism. People cannot look at each other and be 100% colorblind. It's impossible to do. And those who think... And sell the fact or try to sell the fact that it is possible they're lying to you they just want to use that folks as a weapon their choice and they engage that weapon whenever they choose and think that it is okay for them to do and you have no say so in that I have no say so in that and they beat us over the head with the fact that we are what they think we are And our nation is what they think our nation is. And people do this because of the reasons that they think people do this or that. And we don't respect their ability to use racism to attack racism. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Back in a moment. Talk to Dan. Call 1-866-37-TRUTH. PNN
0: Live, the Truth News Network. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of craftsmen. Long live the courageous The tenacious The ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good, the helping hand, those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome, the will to outwork, and the commitment to outlast them all. RAM. Proven to last. The view from the top is reserved for the bold. And the bold tell the truth. Truthnewsnet.org
1: You know one thing we hadn't talked about, we need to talk about because it's a serious thing and there's always news, new news bubbling about it. COVID-19. Vaccination. Stuff going on there. You know, there are There is this thing that's been hanging out there for months, and Dr. Fauci is the one that initiated it. He began to talk about COVID-19 variants that were going to be different from the first brand of COVID-19 that just flooded the earth with the disease, and people died in the hundreds of thousands from it. A variant. We were warned. It's out there. It's more deadly, and it's going to kill more people. So as this Delta variant surges across Europe right now and the rest of the UK, half of the country's recent COVID-19 deaths, half, or of people, listen to this, who have been vaccinated, half, half, But doctors and scientists aren't sounding the alarm yet about the apparently high proportion of deaths among the vaccinated population. I can't comprehend this. I can't reconcile this in my mind. After all, we were sold a bill of goods. I mean, we had it beaten into our brains and our thoughts about, you gotta vaccinate, you gotta take this vaccine. Push, we're gonna be okay. Stay in your house. Anytime you go out, double mask up. Wear gloves. <laughs> don't touch each other. Don't sneeze on anybody. And now they're saying no big deal. They're not actually saying that, but their actions is we're not we're not pulling the switch. Half of the UK deaths recently are of people who have been vaccinated, they don't have a problem with that. These experts say the figures are so far offer reassurance that vaccines offer some substantial protection against the variant, particularly after two doses. Delta is the first identified. It started in India and it's since spread to at least 85 other countries, including here. In the U.S. now, it's estimated to be the most common variant. The United Kingdom is a testing ground for how these vaccines are coping. Delta, folks, is racing across the United Kingdom with 146,000 identified cases in the last seven days. 72% up on the week before. That's a pretty big jump. The country's also a world leader in identifying through testing and genetic sequencing which versions of the virus are the most prevalent. By mid-June, 97% of cases were Delta infections. And Delta is spreading among a population that is among the most highly vaccinated in the world. 85% of adults have had at least one vaccine shot. 63% have had two. Now think about that. 63% have had both shots of this COVID-19 vaccine in the UK. 63%. And yet, half of the people that have died... Half of the recent COVID nineteen deaths, or of people that have been vaccinated. So the spread of the variant Delta has led the UK government to postpone by a month the ending of their COVID restrictions, and the date they've given to their, their targeting to raise them is July nineteenth. But ministers are increasingly confident that the unlocking is going to take place as planned because vaccinations have broken the lockstep between new cases. Data from the Public Health England shows that there were 117 deaths among 92,000 Delta cases that were logged through June 21st. 50 of those, that's 46%, had gotten two shots of the vaccine. But rather than take the tack that Delta... Is displaying a worrying ability to beat up the vaccine, evade it, and to cause severe illness. Scientists are saying those figures support the shot's effectiveness. And they say there are three reasons why. First, vaccines, this is simple, aren't 100% effective. Not everybody's inoculated is going to respond in the same way. Secondly, the risk of dying from COVID increases the older you get. If a vaccine reduces an 80-year-old's risk of death from COVID by 95%, for instance, that 80-year-old's risk of death might still be greater than the risk that's faced by an unvaccinated 20-year-old. Some chronic illnesses such as diabetes, hypertension, lung disease are also associated with a higher risk of severe illness and death. And third, More of the population gets vaccinated as that happens. There are fewer unvaccinated people for the virus to infect, so it's a case of numbers. If the pool of vaccinated folks is bigger than the pool of those who are unvaccinated, then it's possible and even likely that breakthrough infections that result in death in those old folks, vaccinated group would match or exceed deaths to the younger, unvaccinated group consider this, an imaginary country with 100% of people vaccinated where the virus can still somehow spread. All COVID deaths would be in vaccinated individuals. So here we are folks, we're still having this conversation and people are dying people are getting vaccinated. I personally haven't been and there's a reason why I haven't been. I don't believe that is it's efficacy that we've been told for months now, more than a year, well over a year, I don't believe the efficacy is good enough for me to respond to take this vaccination based upon the huge volume of adverse effects that people are experiencing all around the world, and in some cases it's horrible. Deaths that are definitely attributable to these vaccinations or the timing thereof, or at a rate now that exceeds just since January 1 of this year, we're talking about six months, the deaths from these reactions to these COVID-19 vaccinations, when you put them together, total more than the deaths that came from the vaccinations of other vaccines throughout the entirety of U.S. history. All of them combined. Now we're talking about things like polio and the mumps and measles. All of those rolled in. In just six months, more people have died from those vaccines than have from the vaccinations for every other vaccine ever in the United States. That, folks, that is spooky. Hey, thank you for being here today. We always love sharing the day with you. And it's a sacrifice. It's a commitment on your part. Please know, if you miss any of the part of this show, you can pick it up in podcast format on Apple iTunes. Just in your search bar, put TNN Live. Also, Spotify podcast, the same thing. We're going to get together again tomorrow morning. Love to bring you along. 9 to 11 a.m. Monday through Friday. And of course, every day we publish stories. Important ones you need to check out at Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. See you tomorrow, folks. Have a great week.
4: As my-